and this is Hempire. Thank you again for joining us. Once again, I'm Pete Barenberg. I'm here with Nick DeFrancesco, and uh, we're about to talk something pretty special and prominent in the industry of cameras. Would you say there, Nick? I do, I do. So what do we got on? Uh, we have the great and powerful Jen Bernstein. I love it. I love it. And again, that's why I was excited to do this today. Uh, we got a lot to talk about with Jen. Um, I mean, let's just dive right into it. Obviously, um, you led the direction of high times for over a decade. Um, you handled the meetings. You brought a lot of great editorials. I mean, you ran the whole show. Um, but the most important thing that, you know, I thought that was kind of cool, what put most people probably have dreamed of is, of course, you were the judge for the High Times Cannabis Cup, the High Times Medical Cannabis Cups, basically what Playboy is to adult entertainment. Um, if anyone doesn't know, High Times has actually been around since 1974. Um, so it has a lot of... Uh, it's got a lot of nostalgia, of course. It's got a lot of lineage in cannabis, really being the first magazine to ever bring beautiful pictures, editorials, great information. Um, I guess it's what National Lampoons was to comedy, basically. Um, you were there for about a decade. Why do you think High Times have survived all this time to stay as important in the industry as it has? Hi, guys. Yeah, it's been, um, you know, High Times has been around since 1974, uh, there's such tremendous staying power with a brand that really started it all. And it all comes down to uh, the love of the plant and really respecting uh, this gorgeous female plant. You know, you mentioned uh, Playboy and, you know, how sexy that is. And, you know, High Times really has that, I, I believe, that same staying power. Um, we have or High Times has, you know, the High Times Centerfold. They really, um, you know, respect the plant and put it out there for everybody to see. And yes, we glorify drug use and we glorify the cannabis plant. And this is, you know, the message that has been the same um, since the beginning. And there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Yeah. What I thought was cool is something that you did is you also brought in the cannabis business column, right? You also brought in things that talked about not just the fact that we're glorifying the plant, right? But also the business opportunities, the business aspects of it, the legalization, the editorials, not just, you know, again, that we're talking about a product that's just about glorifying a plant, but really what's going behind the scenes, yeah, that's correct. I mean, cannabis is now business. And before, you know, there was the illicit market, the legacy market. And what I saw happening during my tenure there at High Times was that this was a real business that was coming. And the first thing that I started was the pot job report, right? the fact that you could now have a job in the cannabis industry. <laughs> right. And this was a report of, you know, the Every first of its dream. kind. And I relied <laughs> on uh, uh, data from New Frontier Research and seeing where the market was going. And I saw that, you know, some people prefer edibles and the edible market was going to take off. So what could I do to kind of like look into my magic eight ball and, you know, see what was coming. So uh, in that, uh, pot job report, I would write, you know, if you're a chef, you know, you can start creating edibles. If you um, love to bake, 
you know, think about new recipes. And so it's like, you can take any skill that you have and transfer it to the cannabis industry. You know, we have a need for marketing. We have a need for press and media and writers. And, you know, what about doctors and nurses? I mean, there's just, there's no, with the birth of an industry, we need everybody. Um, but I remember writing those first job reports, like there weren't jobs available. <laughs> right. It wasn't an industry yet. And so then, you know, we started thinking about cannabis business and I was like, oh, cannabis business. We're going to make that a word. So I started the first <laughs> cannabis business column. And, you know, at high times I set the style guide, like bong water, one word or two. <laughs> you know, very important decisions. Right, and, of course. Uh, you know, <laughs> I, like, trust you know, me, after some arguments, you know they are. <laughs> <laughs> right? Um, so, I mean, it was, uh, it's a great time to be alive. Now is an even better time, you know, back then, because what we were getting to do was, um, a lot of people say, oh, you never want to be the first out, right? You never want to be the first one out of the gate. But High Times was the first one out of the gate, right? And so with that, we had so many, oh, we were the first to do that. We were the first to do this. And luckily enough, I, you know, got to be one of the first to, to do a lot of those things. One of the things that you were definitely first in, which I think is amazing, is getting on to Series XM called Reefer Radio. I mean, you got to tell me how that happened because you're talking about a huge, I mean, everybody's watching and I'm sorry, everyone's listening to Series XM. I mean, still do, of course, huge Howard's on there, everything else. But at the time, there wasn't podcasts from all over. This was really the publication where everybody was going to through a radio and commercial free um, to get their word out there. And I mean, you had, you know, Snoop Dogg on, Tommy Chong, Jet Black, but how did you get interested on hosting it, first of all? And how did you pitch it to XM? I mean, of course it's cannabis, you know, a dirty word as usual. How did that all come up? Um, well, I am a avid music fan. I go, I've seen 225 fish shows. I've wow. seen 200 no shows. Um, you know, if there's a music, music festival, I've been there. And, you know, when blogs were just starting, I had the first blog on uh, relics.com. And nice. uh, you can follow me on NYC Jam Gal on Twitter. And that's kind of like, I kind of feel like I'm the crossroads or the cross section of you know, the jam band scene and, and cannabis media, right? So my friend Ari uh, at Pinkerton over at SiriusXM, he was um, programming the Jam On channel. So I would go on and I think one year we hosted the Bonnaroo Breakdown, which was, you know, reporting, you know, uh, from Bonnaroo or, you know, talking about what's going on there. And um, that kind of segued into when, you know, High Times is monthly, every May we would do the strain report. So, you know, Ghost Train Haze comes out. That's uh, Scott Reach over at Rare Dankness. And, you know, this is one of the first strains that's hitting over 30% THC. And Danny Danko, Nico Escondido, and I are all saying, oh, there's no way. 
right? That THC can go over, right. you know, crazy. 30, of course. The, the, tri, the trichome head bursts at 27%. There's no way. <laughs> but as we found, you know, uh, it was possible, right? So the more research we have about the plant, we know. Anyway. Of course. So, um, yeah, so um, Ari reached out to me and I was doing these reports and um, it wasn't long after that we caught the ears of um, a guy named Rory Belkin, who actually does the kids' channels. Huh, funny. <laughs> well, got to get them early. Got to get them early, right? <laughs> and so that was even like more taboo, I thought, um, because at the very highest, uh, you know, hierarchy of SXM, um, they're very conservative. And we wanted to do like a test run. So um rory came to me and said you know let's let's do we'll do a four show um you know kind of trial run we're going to pitch it as you know channel 420 like does your dial go that high <laughs> <laughs> and um yeah it was great i mean you know high times has an archive of everyone um and it was just really great to pull some of those you know old interviews and uh run some new ones and you know start creating what we felt could be you know the the first of its kind were they hesitant about it though i mean were they were they kind of like i don't know i mean just even now to this day about advertising and oh, things yeah. we talk about I mean, and it's it's crazy, right? I mean, how they still want to silence, you know, obviously we have cannabis radio, we have all these podcasts, we have all this stuff that we talk about, a lot more publications of cannabis, but being the first, um, anybody that you, that really stuck out under your, like, that were like, you did an interview and it was either crazy or just the fact of like, wow, I can't believe they're on the show or any something special that happened that you could remember on that. Right. Oh, well, I mean, I remember we were, um, it was very tame though. That's the thing because we okay. had to keep it like we couldn't go like balls out, you know? Right. Okay. We okay. Really we were treading lightly. Super censored. Um, yeah. So, you know, we were doing, I was doing like characters. I was doing like Wendy Wiedekit, where I, was, <laughs> I, would, I would put I would put on this voice and I would say, "Hey, I'm Wendy Wiedekit, and we're gonna teach you weed etiquette. Like, you know, pass the bowl to the left hand side, or um, don't mow the bowl, and you know, get all the greens." So we, you know, we were the ones creating the content, really. Um, and, you know, nice. it was great because we got to be creative. But I remember then two people from the station, um, Christina Palumbo, who was a huge champion um, of our work. And uh, she went to the cop to the Oregon State Fair, I think it was, or the Colorado State. It was something. I think and it was the they Denver were going to have like. Yeah, and I, I'm, I'm not even sure if they had weed there. I mean, this is what I'm saying. We were still so ahead of our. Well, you had Snoop Dogg on, so you know there was weed somewhere, right? I mean, was he? I mean, he yeah, makes it a thing where. Plenty of weed. <laughs> yeah, you know, you're, you're vaping like under the desk, and uh, you're. 
<laughs> they see all the smoke coming from the bottom, think it's the electricity. Well, yeah, you know, if you open the door to the studio and you're just kind of like, oh, you know, they know that Snoop's there, I think. <laughs> I mean, even the new video that he just put out with Eminem, and he talks about how Eminem goes in the studio from such a long time. He goes, oh. I know I'm back because I'm with Snoop and <laughs> the whole studio is filled with smoke. So, um, no, it just would have been cool. I mean, obviously, Tommy Chong, Jet Black, everybody else. Um, you know, it's just, it, again, it's kind of the funny where very popular people would still not say anything in public about cannabis. And it was the first time to get out there. Um, and, you know, and I, I wanted to bring something back to going back to high time just for a second education and things like that. You know, you're talking about obviously etiquette, smoking, things like that. Is that something that you think that they should have had more about even in such a view like high times where a little more education about, you know, maybe the medical benefits or not just about the plant and glorifying it or about the cannabinoids or the content, because there's so many people we have on there like, wish I had something that I would have known how to dose correctly or what medical benefits it would have helped me. Do you think that would have been something that high times could have benefited from or what we're trying to do now where so many people, there's so much cannabis out there, just not that much education? Well, I think high times always led the way in terms of education. Um, we had a quarterly public, uh, quarterly publication, uh, that was medical marijuana. And in order to not bore our core readership, you know, month after month with the same education, we were forwarding the education. We were the first ones to put, I remember our cover line meeting, um, we were putting uh, a borch, if you know what that is. It was a, <laughs> uh, a bong and a blowtorch, and it was the first rig for dabs. And I remember sitting in a cover line meeting and saying, what are we going to say about this thing? We're putting, you know, a live flame, you know, it's a torch, and it looks like, you know, we're the crackheads of cannabis. And what are we going to say about this? And... I came up with, you know, dabs, you know, the future of pot. And, you know, were we creating an environment where we could educate? Yeah, because, you know, we're telling people um, how to clean these things. Right. Um, you know, with the vape pen reviews, which I led, um, I would get 100 vape pens and I would get 30 people to help me test all of these vape pens. And this was, you know, before there was Puffco. Right. I remember calling Puffco and calling Roger on the phone and saying, hey, Roger, buckle your seatbelt. And he's like, why? I was like, your life's about to change. He's like, huh? I was like, you just won the vape pen review for high school. Right? Like, we made Puffco into a multi-million dollar company overnight. Right? So you want to talk about education, you know, Roger originally was using, you know, uh, metal in um, the vape pens, right? And we, I would have frank conversations with Roger about, you know, when you're burning these things, you know, there's uh, toxins being released. And then we switched to ceramic bowls. So did we really need to be educating, you know, all the time about, you know, why, you know, ceramic is better than, say, a metal nail or a titanium nail or, 
you know, heating up at 400 plus degrees, you know, is going to kill your terpene profile. And, you know, we were educating ourselves because we were, we trial were and error. Right. Trial and error. <laughs> yeah. We were the ones, you know, directing the industry. I just think that it's a trusted source of any kind right now when there's so much information out there is so important. Like, yes, something as simple as a ceramic, you know, bowl versus a metal bowl or something else. But, you know, the new products that are coming out or either ways, I mean, all of it is education. All of it's important. And I think it legitimizes what we're doing a little bit more than just saying, oh, we're smoking weed and we're having fun. And this is what it is. I feel like little things like this, as long as well as medical education as well, it just legitimizes it. And that's really what we're all trying to do, right? The industry has grown from the fact of we couldn't talk about cannabis to standards that were put on and censorship to now how do we get this out there to the public that's a little bit better than what's happening right now or helping people in positive ways, not just for fun, because we know it's for fun. We all love it, but also the, the the other benefits as well. So we love what you've done with, again, a lot of these different things and being the innovator and, and really at the forefront of all of this. I mean, obviously you're working on uh, a lot of new things as well. You're at Sensi Magazine now. Um, the, the, the show, was it live, by the way, when you were on the uh, the podcast for uh, XM? Or is it delayed? Was it a was it recording or was it live? No, video was not even really a thing. Right. Okay. I mean, I... I'm a selfie taker. I love to shoot video. I think Vine. Do you remember Vine? Those of like course. seven second clips. Or Came for about as long as it was here for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's that was, you know, social media at the time. We were doing Vines. So uh, with everything, there's an evolution. And, you know, just just continuing to create that. And now with that evolution, my own personal evolution has landed me now at Sensi. Um, I've got a six and a half year old daughter. I left high times when she was one. Um, I continue nice. to freelance for like Northeast Leaf and uh, Cannabis Now and all of the other um, cannabis magazines. I started the Women's Cannabis Club in New York City. Um, during the time that I left in, in between, you know, now to Sensi. And, you know, Sensi is really the grown-up version, I feel, of high times. And Sensi is different in that they aren't glorifying the plant and they aren't showing people smoking and they aren't really like, it's not in your face. And what I appreciate about cannabis lifestyle is what Sensi is bringing to the table in that, you know, we're producing content for our readership that could be new, could be legacy, could be, um, you know, just mildly interested. But what our content does is it really attracts, you know, a readership who is interested in the lifestyle around cannabis. So. Um, I just got in the mail Puffco's new proxy. I'm totally stoked to try that out. You know, is it for everybody? No. Um, but, you know, is there a way to display our, all your cannabis pieces? Or um, 
is there a way to represent cannabis lifestyles so it does hit so many different people and that's where we're at with cannabis media is being able to reach the public um knowing that there's so many types of weed smokers or you know consumers uh, and CBD, you know, again, that's our market. So we talk a lot more on the hemp side as well with THC combinations, specialty formulas. So there is such a different, like you said, there's, there's a, a big industry here. It's not just cannabis and marijuana. It's everything and being educated. I like you saying that it was a big, it's a grown up version of high times because we all know that it needed that, right? As we've grown, something needed to grow as well. And it's not just that you were been in cannabis. I mean, you've been in, you know, the Village Voice, Good Housekeeping, U.S. Weekly. You even worked for Trump Magazine during the Celebrity Apprentice days. Um, so, yeah, I would love to know how it was working at uh, Trump Plaza. Of course, being from the Northeast, we all know Trump very well um, before and after presidency. So, um, but. But I know that there's a lot of great things. And, but you know, one of the things that people don't really talk about or we've noticed is magazines and print have been in a decline about 20% now um, versus digital media companies because they're buying the brand names and they're digitizing them. How do cannabis magazines like Sensi, High Times, and all these different ones avoid being in that decline? Well, I think one of the best ways that you can avoid, you know, being in the decline is just knowing that there's always going to be, are we good? Yeah. Yes. Go ahead. Absolutely. Uh, sorry. Um, one of the ways that we can um, show that we're not in a decline, right? Um, I think we're a reflection of the overall industry, right? So California, not doing so great. Brands don't have money to invest. Um, in cannabis publishing and advertising, and that's our bread and butter in media is advertising, whether you're getting eyeballs digitally or in print. Um, but something that I really value is, you know, is print and being able to hold a magazine and to see, right, and to flip through. And how can love, you give that up? I mean, digital is great, but it's not the same. I mean, you can't well, get you know, seeds out of it. You can't. <laughs> and, you know, like you want, you know, Sensi creates such beautiful covers that you want this on your coffee table. You want to display this. And I want our content to be able to reflect that quality alongside these brands that need to get to the eyeballs of consumers. And so what I feel is, is that, yeah, print could be in a decline, but there's always going to be a need for magazines and it's just going to become a luxury product, right? Not everybody gets to be in Sensi magazine. Not everybody gets to be on the cover. Um, and it's the same with high times or any other magazine, but we've, uh, you know, I'm working, my first issue for Sensi is the fall issue. It's going to be ready for MJ BizCon um, in November. And I want everybody at MJ BizCon walking around with this magazine and for these CEOs um, to be flipping through and being like, whoa, here I am. And we're talking about the future of cannabis, where we're going. And we're also talking about where we've been, right? What are the lessons that we're learning? How can we improve? 
how can we continue to um, change the stigma that surrounds cannabis? And that's my mission, right? And so with Sensi and this growing up um, and evolving with cannabis, that's how we do it. We're changing the stigma um, by showing that this is 100% acceptable. It's here to stay. And this is who we are. I love it. I, I was looking through it today. Actually, the uh, episode, the uh, the new cover in Florida is uh, Duray, good friends of ours as well. Um, and have you ever been um, surprised at which notable person who's been subscribed to How Times or Sensi, or I know you can't give names or anything, but is there anybody that's ever, you know, that has been a, a big follower that you were maybe shocked about? Or even it could be Sensi now, could be high times, could be both. There's got to be some high profile people that didn't want to know about cannabis or, but silently is subscribing. Well, I remember when Martha Stewart was getting in on the game, right? <laughs> or, uh, and that was a big surprise to me, right? Um, Before Snoop to got to her? Because, <laughs> you know, if they were. <laughs> Oh yeah, there, there was talk bumped into about each other at the same dealer. You know? <laughs> right, right. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, it, it's always surprising to me. I believe the women, right, who are are stepping out because you know we're the moms, we are the the deciders in the family, and I still feel. Um, the responsible ones. That, <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, there's plenty of responsible dads who consume cannabis, but, um, you know, uh, I think women, you know, we're still battling that, you know, equality thing. Um, and we have a long way to go. I, I would even say, you know, in the cannabis space, yes, you know, women lead the way in this new industry. Um, like it used to be 37% of women hold leadership positions that dropped to like 27. Uh, but in terms of like people who are following along and I got a great follow the other day on Twitter by, um, Katie Turr and, you know, she is, uh, you know, on TV every day and, um, her husband is on, you know, CBS Sunday morning. So it, it was just really interesting to me that, uh, you know, well, she's a big, I mean, these, these people are watching. I love yeah. that. I mean, and obviously a huge name. Another woman in media today, uh, Jean Chatsky, who is, um, you know, one of the ways women can really empower themselves is to to plan their financial futures. And Jean Chatsky is all about uh, financial planning and she's on CNN every day. Um, and yeah, yeah. So I'm, I'm really always thrilled by, you know, women in media who support one another, right? And I find uh, that it can be a very inclusive type of a uh, community and, and that's what I'm all about. But again, it's almost kind of like, you know, you hate to say it like this, um, but is it kind of like coming out of the closet for some people? It really is. It's talking about the fact of their use of cannabis. They're, you know, they're okay with saying, yeah, I smoke marijuana. I use CBD. I, I think that this yeah, is a great I, therapy. I, you know, 
Yep. I think it should be smart women smoke weed. I mean, <laughs> there's so it. many. That would be my, that would platform smart women smoke weed or consume cannabis smart women consume cannabis you know um it's good for us right it helps with stress um it relaxes us it can be uh, an aphrodisiac for me it helps with my ibd um when i'm in a flare-up the number one way that i can heal myself is through cannabis and you know my mother who was like you're gonna work where <laughs> <laughs> You know, and people were like, are you going to put your name on the masthead? And I was like, yes, this is who I am. This is what I'm, I'm proud of. I'm not going to have a gnome de plume, like, you know, um, but telling my mom that she should be taking CBD every day, that it's so benign and so good for you that it's going to end up in our multivitamins probably in 10 to 15 years. So I want to know. Why isn't Johnson and Johnson creating no more tears baby wash with CBD in it? I love You're that. Welcome. That's an amazing Johnson point for your billion dollar idea there. But do I want my baby to be bathed in CBD? Yeah, I do. <laughs> it's a huge moisturizer. Um, and it, like I said, it's as benign as anything else that's going to be found in our multivitamin. And I think that's what you said, smart women and smart people. Instead of using all these things that are giving you side effects, contraindications, drug-on-drug -drug interactions, how about use something that doesn't do any of those things, that helps with everything you just mentioned without all the negatives that you always hear. Obviously, that's what we pride ourselves on. That's what we do here at PureWell. Um, and we try to bring these uh, specialized formulas to the to the um to the public and and kind of for the narrative of education which let's talk about that about how everybody is having to continue to keep fighting this negative press that the mainstream media outlets tell the world i mean i want to read you something something from a hit piece from specter last year they wrote big dope wants its customers to love its products and to use them as often as possible so what does it do it makes a lot of different vari varieties to maintain interest still no one saw the sheer volume Volume of choice coming, people still use to smoke marijuana. Now they vape it, eat it, slather themselves with it, and even shove it up their asses. Because frankly, why not? What's the most important thing that we can do to get the real story about cannabis out there without giving the bigger media companies a win? I, I mean, that's the that's the thing. I mean, we're really fighting people that are completely on the other side, maybe even like big pharma, because they don't like it. They don't like that there's an alternative to what they're pushing and their billion dollar agenda. So what do you say to that? And how do we continue to fight this negative mainstream since you are a big public head in this in this space? Well, I think you know, once we hit the mainstream and look, we're there, um, we have to continue just as you're saying the education, but number one is testing. The fact that here in Maine, where I am right now, they test for the recreational market. They test the cannabis, but they don't require it for medical. Okay. So here you have patients who are using this as a medicine and it's not being tested. And then here you have the rec market and they're putting those um, guidelines on uh, the rec. 
So overall, you know, as an industry, just do better. We need testing. We need to reschedule cannabis as uh, the government should know. We have to be able to study and research the plant. We need, we need federal legalization to be able to really, um, you know, it's not just the decriminalizing, it's the rescheduling. It's like, it shouldn't even be. Uh, right, come on. I mean, heroin, it's next to heroin. I mean, let's stop it now. I mean, this is crazy. No, there's medicinal benefits. Schedule one says no medicinal benefits. So how can you contradict yourself? All right. They so testing is number one. <laughs> right. They do that all the time. <laughs> but the, but the truth is, is you're exactly right. I mean, for people that don't know, I mean, you know, you're scheduled one, obviously addictive, no medical benefits. Those are the two harmful, you know, these are the, the three most important, but the two are the, the most important of, of making it a scheduled one. And when you're going to say when a connotation now, now again, maybe back in the day, they looked at marijuana like, oh, but never has somebody said marijuana and heroin in the same sentence, no matter what time period it was, even though hemp was founded 4,000 years ago, BC. Um, but I'm just saying, when you say marijuana, you say mar uh, heroin. Come on. They're not even in the same. But yes, they are when it comes to scheduled one narcotics in the United States. So what are we doing here, people? This is why we've got to get educated. This is why we have people on like this. We're trying to forward the narrative to let you know there is a lot of medical benefits. There's a lot of education needs to be done, but we still have so much more fighting to be done. Now, speaking of that legalization, um, the regularization, for example, like on our, on our boxes and everything we do, I was the first one to come up with in the CBD market to have COAs posted on a QR code right on a box for everybody to just use their phone and see what's in a product and what's not. You can find that at all at purewell.com, of course, or on any of our products. But you can see that we make sure that we want to have that regulation. What are you getting at? All the pesticides, all the heavy metals, all the things that you talked about in the medical marijuana that needs to be done is being done in the hemp market, at least on our standards. And I will make sure of that. Um, and that's the things that need to be done. I mean, people are like, um, Ethan came on our show last week and he talked about, I love to go to a dispensary instead of a dealer because it's tested. Now he is talking about medical marijuana and he's talking about that there in Boston. So why is it state by state? It different. Why are the public of recreational, like you just said, the masses getting the regulations and the people that have cancer and abundance of other medical reasons that they've got a medical card for, and then they don't get testing. I mean, come on, this is crazy. I don't know if it's necessarily just federal regulation. Cause as you can see, putting a lot of new issues on state-by-state -state regulations right now. We won't get into all that, but it should be a state-by-state -state thing. I think that every state should be on the same page. Maybe it shouldn't be federal. Maybe we can get something done quicker going state-by-state -state and making this, holding them more accountable on a basis instead of trying to make this great federal law, which is going to take forever, where we can do something local a lot quicker. So maybe that's another yeah, well, thing that we could think about. Yeah. I, you know, I live in New York state. I, you know, half my time is here in Maine. And so as I'm watching New York state come, you know, online and on board, 
Uh, you know, I'm very aware of the challenges that other states have had. And I'm, you know, thinking to myself, just listening to you talk, okay, if this is, you know, uh, a state by state thing, are the states that are legal talking to each other? And I know that, you know, New York took a tour of Colorado, but, um, you know, who's talking to California right now? You know, all eyes should be on California and watching as it fails. The California <laughs> market has failed. And um, across the board now, cannabis sales, you know, across the country are down. Um, and I want to know, New York, you know, what are you doing to ensure that our state and our industry um, is stepping out on the right foot? And we have a great bill, you know, really with um, helping minority businesses achieve success and being the first to get the licenses and um, supporting not just, you know, people of color, but uh, women and other minorities, right? So we have a really great plan in place. And on paper, it looks amazing. But once you start thinking about, you know, the taxes and what we're going to be taxed at and, you know, what is testing going to be? I don't know, but is, you know, has anybody from New York State contacted me and, and wants to know? Oh, um, they haven't. <laughs> but they should. But they should. And um, you know, maybe it is me going to them and just saying, "Hey, look, I'm a resource here. Um, happy to help in any way as we grow what will be the largest market for cannabis in New York City." You know, it was funny. Um, I know you were talking about California and you're right. Are they, as are people speaking to each other? I mean, let's be honest. Are we working as a team? Are we working individually in your, where you anywhere, I need your job and your, at your schools, at, in your family. If there's no communication and new teamwork, you're never going to grow. All right. More heads, the better, of course. And, and I think you're right. And, um, you know, I know uh, the Sacramento Bee reported California Governor uh, Newsom and the state lawmakers are poised to eliminate tax on marijuana growers. So that's something that they are definitely trying to do, because like you said, I mean, Cal to me, I mean, a lot of our farms are in Colorado. I have two farms in Colorado, one in Colorado and California. Um, I, I do feel that Colorado does it a little bit better. Um, and they have, like, they're like the OGs of the, of the space of, of for hemp and marijuana. Um, but I do know that something like this in, um, you know, where they're not going to be taxing the marijuana growers. Um, some of the cannabis industry say that the tax cut doesn't go far enough with the industry advocates arguing that they were just shut out of the process. Um, so something like that, do you think that, um, now it will be voted on by state lawmakers later this summer and the cannabis cultivation tax paid by growers would be sent to zero while they exercise tax. Now we always say that tax getting from cannabis for example, in Colorado and things like that, where they were helping the school systems, they were helping the streets, uh, you know, the, the roadways, they were uh, buildings. I mean, anything that the state needed to raise extra income for cannabis sales and tax were doing it. Um, but this will be shifted from distribution to retailers. So it will remain at 15% for the next three years for the people paying 
for cannabis, but the, the burden, the tax burner will not be from the actual manufacturers. And um, how do you feel about something like that? On one hand, I feel like it's too little, too late, right? I know yeah. growers right now who are struggling, we're heading into a recession um it's not <laughs> looking great i mean i know businesses who are just not growing this year i know growers who aren't growing you know at 800 a pound it's just not worth it right. and you know this is an industry that cannot be reactionary we need we need to be forward thinking um so that's why i'm like so adamant about new york state being like come on let's get with the program um yes it'll help the growers but still if you know it used to be the american dream it was all of our dream that you know cannabis would be legal and that we wouldn't be criminalized for loving this plant for loving this medicine for helping and healing ourselves <laughs> And we wanted to bring that cannabis to the masses, but why now go above board? It's, I mean, it's just, there's still plenty of reasons, you know, don't get me wrong, you know, and for all our brothers and sisters who have helped us get to this place um, and have been incarcerated and, um, you know, I don't want to roll back the, the clock on that at all, but, you know, instead of being reactionary, we really need to be more more forward thinking. And, you know, we keep saying, oh, you know, if it's legalized, then um, these businesses will be able to write off, you know, basic tax expenses, right? We right. haven't done enough to want people to go above board and actually like, you know, become a business and get back into this again. You know, it's, it's going in the opposite direction. So, what can the government be doing to incentivize business? Because as we all know, cannabis is a huge driver of jobs, right? I, I would write that. Absolutely. Too. Absolutely. Well, there's a huge job market now because of cannabis. I mean, right. in all different spots, all the all the the normal things you were talking about, like oh, chefs and things like that. Yeah, but editorials, business, lawmakers, uh, politicians, um, lawyers. I mean, just marketing special. I mean, everything. Job creators. So why not incentivize people to create cannabis businesses? create the innovation, create the space that allows for this creativity so we can have more people like Roger and Puffco creating, you know? Um, Purewell. Don't forget Purewell. <laughs> and thank you, Purewell. I mean, this is what I'm saying. And, you know, cannabis radio in general. Um, we need all of it to be able to get the messages out there and to have these open dialogues and discussions of what works and what doesn't. Absolutely. I agree. And, um, again, um, I don't know if you want to, um, tell us a little bit about Sensi real quick, just where they can go. Sensi.com. Uh, it's S E N S I M A G.com. Um, we're really excited to what you're going to be bringing to Sensi magazine. Hopefully maybe a little article on pure. Well, we don't know. We'll have to talk about it. Um, um, but I, 
And this is why we do this, guys. And I say this, guys and girls, every day when we're doing these podcasts, we have the people we have on for a reason. If there's any way we can make this show better, if there's any question that I could have asked Jen that you would have loved for me to do um, and, and to really get our voices out there, Please click like, subscribe, rate, tell your friend, let us know, comment, give us a review. We're doing this for you. We're doing this for the cannabis industry. We're doing this to educate and to help everybody else out there to understand how to legalize this in uh, a medicinal way, but also just to make your experience, your lifestyle better, however you use cannabis. Um, you could also email the producer, Brasco, B-R-A-S-C-O at CannabisRadio.com. He's always looking for suggestions and things that we could do to make this um, you know, show better. And, and we appreciate you coming on, Jen. We really do. I'd love to talk to you a couple minutes after the show. Um, but I don't know, Peter, I don't think you should take us out. I mean, you kind of did it already for us, but uh, we do thank you again for your time, Jen. And uh, we do want everybody to you know, find us on Spotify, Apple, Amazon, iHeartRadio, wherever you do like to get your podcast there. Uh, don't forget to drop us a like and a review, subscribe, and we appreciate your time. Everybody, remember, get out there and get educated on what hemp and cannabis can do for you. Opinions expressed on this CannabisRadio.com program are those of the guests and hosts and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of CannabisRadio.com. Any rebroadcast, republication, or retransmission of this program without proper consent is prohibited.